0: This is a conspiracy channel. Tape one. Welcome to the Hush channel. This is a reading of Secrets of All Ages by Manly P. Hall. Tonight we digest the chapter entitled Fish, Insects, Animals, Reptiles, and Birds, Part 1. Before we get into the meat of things, the preamble reads as follows. For once, a book which actually lives up to its title, Hall self-published this massive tome in 1928, consisting of about 200 legal-sized pages in 8-point type. It is literally his magnum opus. Each of the nearly 50 chapters is so dense with information that it is the equivalent of an entire short book. If you read this book in its entirety, you will be in a good position to dive into subjects such as the Kabbalah, alchemy, tarot, ceremonial magic, Neoplatonic philosophy, mystery, religions, and the theory of Rosicrucianism and Freemasonry. Although there are some questionable and controversial parts of the book, such as the outdated material on Islam, and Hall's conspiracy theory of history as driven by an elite Kabbalah roving immortals. They are far outweighed by the comprehensive information here on other subjects. For many years this book was only available in a large format edition which was hard to obtain and very expensive. However, an affordable paperback version has finally been released. And so we begin the reading of the chapter entitled Fish, Insects, Animals, Reptiles and Birds Part 1. Link to PDF available in the description. The Creatures Inhabiting the Water, the air, and earth, were held in veneration by all races of antiquity, realizing that visible bodies are only symbols of invisible forces. The ancients worshipped the divine power through the lower kingdoms of nature, because those less evolved and more simply constituted creatures responded most readily to the creative impulses of the gods. The sages of the old studied living things to a point of realization that God is most perfectly understood through a knowledge of his supreme handiwork, animate and inanimate. Nature. Every existing creature manifests some aspect of the intelligence or power of the Eternal One who can never be known save through a study and appreciation of his numbered by inconceivable parts. When a creature is chosen, therefore, to symbolize to the concrete human mind some concealed abstract principle, it is because its characteristics demonstrate this invisible principle in visible action. Fishes, insects, animals, reptiles, and birds appear in the religious symbolism of nearly all nations. Because the forms and habits of these creatures and the media in which they exist closely relate them to the various generative and germinative powers of nature, which were considered as prima facie evidence of divine omnipresence. The early philosophers and scientists, realizing that all life has its origin in water, chose the fish as the symbol of the life germ. The fact that fishes are the most prolific makes the simile still more apt. While the early priests may have not possessed the instruments necessary to analyze the spermatozoan, they concluded by deduction that it resembled a fish. Fishes were sacred to the Greeks and Romans. Being connected with the worship of Aphrodite, Venus, an interesting survival of pagan ritualism is found in the custom of eating fish on Friday. Freya, in whose honor the day was named, was the Scandinavian Venus, and this day was sacred among many nations to the goddess of beauty and fecundity. Fecundity is another word for fertility. This analogy, further links the fish with the procreative mystery. Friday is also sacred to the followers of the prophet Muhammad. The word nun means both fish and growth. This is nun that is spelled N-U-N. And as Inman says, the Jews were led to victory by the son of the fish, whose other names were Joshua and Jesus, the savior. Nun is still the name of a female devotee of the Christian faith. Think about Catholic nuns. Among early Christians, three fishes were used to symbolize the Trinity and the fish is also one of the eight sacred symbols of the great Buddha. It is also significant that the dolphin should be sacred to both Apollo, the solar savior and Neptune. It was believed that this fish carried shipwrecked sailors to heaven on its back. The dolphin was accepted by the early Christians as an emblem of Christ because the pagans have viewed this beautiful creature as a friend and benefactor of man. The heir to the throne of France, the dolphin, a-u-p-h-i-n may have secured his title from this ancient pagan symbol of the divine preservative power. The first advocates of Christianity likened converts to fishes who at the time of baptism returned again into the sea of Christ. I do want to point out how you see the presence of Nun, in un and similar likely older prefixes used in the name of ancient water entities. The Ninjuzu are deities said to possess the different bodies of waters throughout Africa, and their human apprentices are called Nangas. If these Nangas are successful, they are allowed to return from the body of water at which the Ninjuzu abducted them and serve as witch doctors to their people. Nagas are East Asian mermaids who are half human, half serpent, with the ability to shapeshift into full human and serpent. These are the serpents you see behind East Asian deities or around their necks. Dragons can be seen as a Naga or Nagaraja and Nagarajas are serpent kings of Nagas. Nenlil is the Mesopotamian goddess who is the wife of Enlil and sometimes his brother Enki. Enki is depicted as an actual merman himself and serves as the creator of mankind, the serpent in the Garden of Eden who was actually trying to liberate mankind from Enlil. He saved Noah during the flood and provided Noah and his family with fish to eat during the flood. Enki's name in ancient Canaan was Yahu which served as YHWH, Yahweh in ancient Hebrew. Religiously Enki's rebellion against Enlil is why we call him Satan because Enlil for the most part in Abrahamic religions is pitted as Yahweh. Ninlil and Enlil had children named Nergo. Then there's Nana who religiously today is the angel Gabriel and the moon god who is symbolized on Islamic flags by the moon. Their other children are Ninurta, who is biblical Nimrod. Then there is Nintur, Nanazu, and Sudag. Ninlil's other name throughout the different regions of Mesopotamia were Nintu, Ninma, Nihersag, Mama, Mami, bale Ninmena, Ki, Damgal-Nuna, and Damkina. To connect dots, Ninlil's son, Nana, the moon god, is also the father of the deity Ishtar. But Ishtar is a deity that was formulated from the identity of Ninlil with her own identity carved out that seems separate to Ninlil only because of the confusion of tongues and great migration from Babylon of which caused names of the original Sumerian entities to change and also cause some conflation in storylines. Ishtar is Ninlil and Ishtar is Venus. She is the morning star which is also the eastern star. She is Lucifer. She is the American Statue of Liberty. She is Isis and Hathor an ancient Kemet. She is the Canaanite deity Biblios of which the name of the Bible was named after. Earlier in the reading it was noted how Friday is venerated in Islam. Friday in Islam is headed by the planet Venus. Venus is Ninlil, the supreme fertility and birth goddess. She is the original mother of the earth and she is born of the waters, the void that was before creation. Because she is also seen as Ishtar, the daughter of the moon god, she is the star on the Islamic flag. In fact, many of the Anunnaki had the prefix of Nin or Nun or a variation in their name. There is Inyana, Ninja Zita, Ninisina, Nin Shabur, Ninamina, Manungal, Ninja Nin Sun, Ninsiana, and Nintanuga. These are just a few. After all, according to the Dogon of Mali, the Anunnaki were amphibious and required a watery body of which to live. If the waters were actually divided from the waters before the creation of mankind, then outer space would be water, and the lower waters would be that of the oceans and that below the earth's surfaces. It would make sense that the Anunnaki would be creatures born of the waters of the void. After Noah's flood, it is Ninlil who actually the orders that there be a segment of the female population that is to remain untouched by men, to be virgin priestess. And today we have nuns, but priestesses have long existed in every segment of history because of Ninlil's initial commandment. Interestingly enough, the story of Jesus Christ was formulated from Enki as he is Horus and Osiris in ancient Kemet. This is why Jesus is symbolized by the ictus fish symbol and performs many fish and water miracles as well as other miracles that align with Enki's abilities as the deity of creation, trickery, magic, exorcism, civilization, and healing. Jesus himself was even said to be a fisherman. And that is the end of my dissertation. Back to the story. Primitive peoples believed the sea and land were inhabited by strange creatures, and early books on zoology contain curious illustrations of composite beasts, reptiles, and fishes, which did not exist at the time the medieval authors compiled these voluminous books. In the ancient initiatory rituals of Persian, Greek, and Egyptian mysteries, the priests disguised themselves as composite creatures, thereby symbolizing different aspects of human consciousness. They used birds and reptiles as emblems of their various deities, often creating forms of grotesque appearance and assigning to them imaginary traits habits and places of domicile all of which were symbolic of certain spiritual and transcendental truths thus concealed from the profane the phoenix made its nest of incense and flames the unicorn had the body of a horse the feet of an elephant and the tail of a wild boar the upper half of the centaur's body was human and the lower half equine the pelican of the hermeticus fed its young from its own breast and to this bird were assigned other mysterious attributes which could have been only true allegorically though regarded by many writers of the middle ages as actual living creatures none of these the pelican accepted ever existed outside the symbolism of the mysteries possibly they originated in rumors of animals then little known in the temple however they became a reality for there they signified the manifold characteristics of man's nature the manticora had certain points in common with the hyena. The unicorn may have been the single horned rhinoceros to the student of the secret wisdom these composite animals and birds simply represent various forces working in the invisible worlds this is a point which nearly all writers on the subject of medieval monsters seem to have overlooked there are also legends to the effect that long before the appearance of human beings there existed a race or species of composite creatures which was destroyed by the gods the temples of antiquity preserved their own historical records and possessed information concerning the Prehistoric world that has never been revealed to the uninitiated. According to these records, the human race evolved from a species of creature that partook somewhat of the nature of an amphibian. For at that time, primitive man had the gills of a fish and was partly covered with scales. To a limited degree, the human embryo demonstrates the possibility of such a condition. As a result of the theory of man's origin in water, the fish was looked upon as the progenitor of the human family. This gave rise to the ichthyology of the Chaldeans, Phoenicians, and Brahmins. Atheology is the branch of zoology that deals with fish. The American Indians believe that the waters of lakes, rivers, and oceans are inhabited by a mysterious people, the Water Indians. The fish has been used as an emblem of damnation, but among the Chinese, it typified contentment and good fortune. And fishes appear on many of their coins. When Typhon or Sith, the Egyptian evil genius, had divided the body of the god Osiris into 14 parts, he cast one part into the Nile River, where according to Plutarch, it was devoured by three fishes. The Lepidotus, which was probably the Lepidosiren, the Phagoras, and the Oxyrhynchus, which is a form of pike fish. For this reason, the Egyptians would not eat the flesh of these fishes, believing that to do so would be to devour the body of their god. When used as a symbol of evil, the fish represented the earth, man's lower nature, and the tomb, the sepulcher of the mysteries. Thus was Jonah three days in the belly of the great fish, as Christ was three days in the tomb. Several early church fathers believed that the whale which swallowed Jonah was the symbol of God, the Father, who, when the hapless prophet was thrown overboard, accepted Jonah into his own nature until a place of safety was reached. The story of Jonah is really a legend of initiation into the mysteries, and the great fish represents the darkness of ignorance which engulfs man when he is thrown over the side of the ship or is born into the see of life, the custom of building ships in the form of fishes or birds, common in ancient times, could give rise to the story, and may have Jonah was merely picked up by another vessel and carried into port, with the pattern of that ship causing it to be called a great fish. Thus, the whale. More probably, the whale of Jonah is based upon the pagan mythological creature Hippocampus, part horse and part dolphin. For the early Christian statues and carvings showed the composite creature and not a true whale. The fish has often been associated with the world saviors. Vishnu the Hindu redeemer who takes upon himself ten forms for the redemption of the universe was expelled from the mouth of a fish in his first incarnation. Isis while nursing the infant Horus is often shown with a fish on her headdress. Oannes, the Chaldean savior, borrowed from the Brahmins, is depicted with the head and body of a fish, from which his human form protrudes at various points. Jesus was often symbolized by a fish. He told his disciples that they should become fishers of men. The sign of the fish was also the first monogram of the Christians. The mysterious Greek name of Jesus, Aeuchus, means a fish. The fish was accepted as a symbol of the Christ by a number of early canonized church fathers. St. Augustine likened the Christ to a fish that had been broiled, and it was also pointed out that the flesh of that fish was the food of righteous and holy men. Do you know what else is in the semblance of a fish? The mitre, which is the headgear of Catholic bishops, abbots, and the Pope. The Black Madonna is an image that derives from ancient comedic deities, Hathor and her son and lover Horus, the comedic version of Ninlil and Enki. The image of the Black Madonna is to whom the Pope bows his head to. It is reasonable to suppose that the mysterious sea serpents which according to the Maya and Toltec legends brought the gods to Mexico were Viking or Chaldean ships built in the shape of composite sea monsters or dragons. H.P. Blavatsky advances the theory that the word Cetus, C-E-T-U-S, the Great Whale, is derived from Keto, K-E-T-O, a name for the fish god Dagon. And that Jonah was actually confined in a cell hollowed out in the body of a gigantic statue of Dagon after he had been captured by Phoenician sailors and carried to one of their cities. There is no doubt a great mystery in the gigantic form of Cetus which is still preserved as a constellation. According to many scattered fragments extant, man's lord nature was symbolized by a tremendous awkward creature resembling a great sea serpent or dragon called Leviathan. All symbols having serpentine form or motion signified the solar energy in one of its many forms. This great creature of the sea therefore represents the solar life force imprisoned in water and also the divine energy coursing through the body of man where until transmuted it manifests itself as a writhing twisting monster man's greeds passions and lusts among the symbols of christ as the savior of men are a number relating to the mystery of his divine nature concealed within the personality of the lowly jesus the gnostics divided the nature of the christian redeemer into two parts one jesus a mortal man the other christian a personification of noose, N-O-U-S the principle of cosmic mind. News the Greater was for the period of three years, from baptism to crucifixion, using the fleshy garment of the mortal man Jesus. In order to illustrate this point and still conceal it from the ignorant, many strange and often repulsive creatures were used whose rough exteriors concealed magnificent organisms. Keneally in his notes on the book of Enoch observes why the caterpillar was a symbol of the Messiah is evident, because under a lowly creeping and wholly terrestrial aspect, he conce- seals the beautiful butterfly form with its radiant wings emulating in its varied colors the rainbow the serpent the salmon the scarab the peacock and the dying dolphin end of tape one